Dyed in the surface of the water, in a cove along the West Passage, sits line after line of oysters. The cages bob up and down with the wind and current, while the tide feeds the oysters the necessary nutrients for them to grow. Today, aquaculture is seeing a resurgence in Rhode Island, from the salt ponds of South County to the coves of Narragansett Bay. The coastal economy has always been an important part of Rhode Island culture. With an early morning start in Wickford Harbor, we take a trip out to visit a longtime friend, Graham Watson, the founder of West Passage Oysters. Tagging along, we get the backstory behind what it takes to get an oyster from the bay to your plate, the love of working on the water, and how a chocolate lab named Cub earned his place on the farm. That and more on this week's episode of Along the Keel. If you want to support the show, be sure to go to alongthekeel.com, sign up for our newsletter, check us out, give us a like, share, and follow on social media. And if you're looking for some gear this summer, be sure to check out our store. We have all the things necessary for a life built by the water, and we hope to help you get there. So with that being said, enjoy this week's episode of Along the Keel, and we will see you at the end. What goes, Mr. Watson? Oh, Long man. time no see. I um, I feel like I feel like Joe Rogan right now. Do you? <laughs> Joe Rogan eating elk meat or on DMT? I feel like uh, I need some ivermectin in the in the shop <laughs> with me. Oh, jeez. What's your? Do you listen to Joe Rogan a lot? Is he on your? Is he on your to do when you're podcasting? Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> He's so divisive at this point. Like uh <laughs> I probably I probably shouldn't start it out like that. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. We But I, I like to be I like to shake it up. Shake it up a bit. I feel ya. I feel ya. Well, it's good to be back and talking with you on the good old podcast here because I feel like we were you were actually episode two of Along the Keel. Mm-hmm. Back when I was living in Hawaii. Right. And we were we were speaking on a $25 mic from Amazon. Yeah. And I don't know if you ever if I ever told you this, but when I was recording that episode, yeah. There was a guy with a weed whacker. I know. Oh, did I tell you that? Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. And I was in my bathroom on the floor with towels tucked under the door to try and dampen the dampen the sound. Constant evolution, right? It's a constant evolution, exactly. That, that's so cool. Exactly. But that's kind of why we're here talking to kind of see Obviously, we we somewhat know the story. Well, I personally know the story because we were we first met at Full Keel, mm-hmm. um, but then the evolution of West Passage and the new what we gonna call it, Big Red for right now. Yeah, Big sure. Red, Big the Red. Chud Express. Yeah, maybe? the Chud Express, or just Chud, or just Chud. Yeah, which Chud is somewhere Ch- around here. Yeah, I Chud over there. Chud is my dog, but that's only the name that you have given him. His name is actually <laughs> Cubs. <laughs> uh, or or Cubby, but I I can't help but really prefer Chud. <laughs> Chud is a great name. So uh, yeah, maybe we'll may, maybe we'll name the the boat Chud. Chud. Yeah, but it, it'll be naming naming the boat after the dog. After the dog. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So give us a little background as to those who haven't heard the West Passage story, um, because you got an interesting story behind you where you're. In New York, you're doing the city life thing. You're like, you know what? I'm not about it. We're going to go to San Francisco, work in some oyster farms, and then eventually come back to Rhode Island 
which is now where you have West Passage. So give us like the give us the rundown there. Uh, okay, elevators, elevator, elevator pitch. Yeah, there you go. Um, uh, yeah, I, was, I grew up in grew up in Westchester, New York, and went to college and studied uh, business and um, got a job sort of on on that sort of on that trajectory out of college. Uh, was a mu- uh, avid musician as well. But yeah, I, I was really sort of going in the direction of working in the city, and uh, I, but I, I've always loved being outdoors and on the water. So it wasn't super obvious that that was the direction I I should go in. Mm. Probably could have gone in several directions, but this was a good pick. Um, anyway, so uh, was on that trajectory. And what do you think motivated you to kind of follow and do the business corporate type mentality? I'm not sure. I think growing up in in the environment that I grew up in, um, it was just I, I hadn't really considered doing anything other than working in an office or being a musician. I had tried I had tried mu- being a musician, and I had tried working in an office, and I I could tell right off the bat that working in an office wasn't wasn't working for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I ended up I ended up uh going out to California during I had the job in New York and mm-hmm. I I ended up leaving not really by choice I I sort of got laid off from a startup that I was working working for while I was out in California mm-hmm. and while I was out in California you know I I had no reason to come back to go that. back yeah at that point I was like well I'm on vacation out here right so I was sort of on vacation I was young <laughs> I was you know mid mid 20s I was yeah probably like 24 25 yep and at that point I was like there, there was really n- nothing drawing me back except for family but sure you know I was on an adventure and so it turned out to be a four f- close to five-year adventure and <laughs> that's um, a long vacation yeah because well, i not really but you know <laughs> yeah but but i i ended up getting a job over i i had a lot of odd jobs out in california like carpentry and um just random random odd jobs what is the oddest job you say you'd had out in california the oddest job the oddest of the odd um yeah i i was doing a lot i was doing a lot of things i was i was uh i was doing a lot of things um you know, standing standing out on the side of a house, putting up siding on a, on a house, really like not not in a in a safe way, um, <laughs> but just trying to impress people and like trying to get hired, do sure, do, just and also trying to like find out what I was good at, and, yeah. Um, because I I I like I said I I had spent so much time uh, trying to trying to be a musician and <laughs> trying to trying to. Uh, make corporate life my life and i wasn't really i was good at being a musician but it's hard to be a you know it's hard to make you know a living at right being a musician that's something um, i didn't really know about you to be honest with you yeah and what when you say musician what was your i'm a drummer uh, i've i that's that's w- what i'm educated in i'm i'm a drummer um but i i'm musical so i'm, I'm musical i can play guitar and mm-hmm. bass decently i'm not i'm not educated in those instruments but sure educate as a drummer i know what i'm doing um and so that was sort of my that was sort of my first life mm-hmm. uh, was was being in a band and uh sort of pursuing that um as a drummer 
Sure. And then, um, but I, but that wasn't paying the bills, so I, I went into corporate, like so many people do. Right. Just go, go into, go into working for a startup or. That's um, my first job was actually an intern at uh, Universal Records, and then oh, interesting. sort of that that moved into a couple different startups. And anyway, did it for a, a year or two, maybe maybe close to three years. And uh, then I went to California, and I ended up uh, getting a job over at Hog Island Oyster Farm. Sure, um, because I had all these odd jobs, and uh, my girlfriend at the time, um, now my wife, was sort of wondering what I was doing exactly <laughs> um with all these odd jobs. Was and she like, Graham, we gotta we gotta pick something or kind of. <laughs> yeah, and, and I needed that. I yeah. actually really needed that. I'm not sure looking back on it, I'm not sure where I would be <laughs> had she had she not sort of um helped me narrow narrow it down. But you know what what had happened was I, over the years during that whole phase of my life, I had in the back of my mind I had read an article about Rhode Island oyster farmers hmm. that were that were sustainably producing food uh, for for the local local restaurants right. th- that were growing oysters and I, you know up until reading that article around you know probably my senior year of college prior to that I hadn't my 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 image of what oysters were were like you know my dad would get them when we went out to dinner and mm-hmm. it was something that i thought was a little uh, like really foreign and um and uh, you know food i liked pizza you know um <laughs> and pizza pizza is always going to be my favorite food but yeah it's sort of an adventurous adventurous food that like dads would eat at bars you know right right um and that that still is i i still actually love that image because mm-hmm. um because I think that's sort of a charming, charming thing for oysters to be. Uh, but they've they're growing in popularity now. Like people are so adventurous. Anyway, so I I had I had read an article about um, I had read an article sort of senior year of college that was talking about how beneficial they are for the ecosystem mm-hmm. and how sustainable they are, and it's just a net benefit for the environment. Um, uh, to to produce um, to to farm oysters. Sure. Yeah, it's one of those. I mean, when you when you take agriculture as a whole and you kind of generalize it, there's a lot of things that they're they're not exactly positive, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, from yeah. water consumption to you know the overuse of our land, um, what what it takes just from a money standpoint to produce food, but with oysters. Man, you just kind of throw all that away. Yeah. And there's just so much net positive, which we've talked about so many times out on the water. Yeah. It's like why why can't we produce more oysters in a way that everyone's eating them? Because it's a great protein source too. Yes. There's so many. There's so much nutrients. Um, and by nutrients, I mean uh, like phy- uh, organic phytoplankton that's that's in the water. Mm-hmm. Too much nutrients in the water is a bad thing. Right. Which um, which causes uh, harmful algae blooms like red tide and rust tide. Yep. Um, there there's so much nutrients in the water. Um, in the in especially in bays like Narragansett Bay. Um, so so far out offshore into the ocean, you don't really find it because it's it's um, it's deeper water, it's colder water. Mm-hmm. But in in bays, there's there's so much phytoplankton, and um, so that's the benefit. That, that's that's what uh, oysters eat. They eat they filter phytoplankton that's in the water, and that's mm-hmm. that's what they 
that's what they consume. And so, uh, th- we're yeah, we're not feeding them anything. It's not like it's not like other types of aquaculture um, that sort of get a bad rap um, and 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 are still evolving practices. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they they we don't have to feed our animals anything. They're just, they're just grazing off of what's they're doing already their there. Thing. You know, it's like yeah. cow, cows grazing, like uh, cows grazing off of the grass. Right. Um, and, and that, that, that phytoplankton um, is in, it's in an abundance. Um, we don't have to use any fresh water. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all salt water and salt water is better than fresh anyway. Salt right? water. Yeah. For, for oysters, <laughs> it sure is. Um, so, we're not using any fresh fresh water like in traditional agriculture and we're not using there's no fertilizers so really mm-hmm. the, th- there's very little inputs in terms of in terms of what you have to put into the system to create protein right um we don't have to do anything but put gas in the boat and you know w- w- there's a lot of labor that sure. goes it's human labor that goes in you know we're, we're out there uh working our butts off but yeah, we're not we're not um, we're not consuming a resource. We're we're uh, we're planting the oysters day one, mm-hmm. and then after a few years, we come back and retrieve those same oysters. So, right. So we like any like an agricultural farm. We we own the we own the seed. You know mm-hmm. the the seed meaning the the baby oysters. And we, not not for nothing, but like not only does it create is there not a lot of input? I mean, there's some carbon emissions with like. Obviously, your motor and fossil, you know, fossil fuels and whatnot. But that's you're not going to get around that nowadays. It's just part of who we are as humans. But to to kind of go on top of what you're doing in terms of a net positive, not only are you going and planting more oysters, mm-hmm. but you're also the oysters that are the spat that gets kind of spewed out there is going out and they're planting natural oysters and creating more reefs and ecosystems just in and around the farm yeah um yes under under the right circumstances you you can buy the oysters that we're we're have those oysters will uh spawn um Mm -hmm. in the springtime and ideally under the right circumstances it doesn't happen every every season but you do have to have and that's why that's why oyster reefs are so hard to come by now like natural oyster reefs Mm -hmm. because it's so hard for them to reproduce in the wild right um and they've been so over hard the the reefs have been so over harvested over the past hundred years that um due to pollution and due to due to over harvesting uh humans have just eaten 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 through the the natural resource of of the natural oysters that uh <laughs> that Hi, are Chad. out in, out in the wild <laughs> um getting but, attacked right now it's all right yeah you're getting attacked by a bear oh he's a big bear <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're getting uh, that panting in the microphone. Oh, it'll be just great. We'll, got, we're going to leave it in there. Yeah, he's he, got some good He has panting. some things to say. Here, what, what do you want to say, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the last thing I was going to say, you sort of touched on it, was that there's so much carbon, um, and, and we're so, we're concerned about that in, in the oceans. And oysters, that's just another thing that they do. That mm-hmm. They help with carbon carbon sequestration by um, taking taking that carbon out of the water. Right. And... Um, Using using it to to build their shell. So on the whole, oysters are a win win win. It's hard such, to argue that. Yes, yeah, such a such a win. Right. Yeah. I think the only thing playing devil's advocate, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, um, got to do, who live on the coast, mm-hmm. some people don't necessarily agree with having visible farms. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of always we're we're kind of playing that the the idea that 
part of the public trust doctrine, which is outlined that all people have the right to access the ocean, mm-hmm. right? And it goes back to like a Hugo Grotius, who's a philosopher, you know, freedom of the seas, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the public trust doctrine is very similar to having a national park, right? Everyone deserves to go outside. Everyone deserves to be out in the outdoors, enjoying it. But we also have to pay for it, right? Yeah. So, and, and fortunately, guys like you who are out there are in part creating an economy around it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that just needs to happen. So, on the other hand, some people don't want to look at it. Right. Which is always the hard part. Yeah. But my thing is, like, would you rather look at a big refinery or an oyster farm. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, those are two separate things, but I mean, in some ways, like there always has to be some sort of economic benefit for that thing to stay pristine and clean and for us to be able to access it. Mm -hmm. So with an oyster farm, I mean, shit, if I have to go and look at you going out there and farming on a beautiful, bright, sunny day on the water, I, I don't see the issue personally. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. Everything is a trade-off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ev- everything you have to pay f- pay pay for with a cost, and right. the cost with oyster farming uh, is that, um, especially with float, w- we have a floating oyster farm, so it's very. I, I don't want to say it's very visible, but it's visible from shore. It's, sure. It's 500 feet offshore from Chafee Nature Preserve. Mm-hmm. And we don't have the, – the benefit that we have is that we don't have houses that are along our shoreline. Right. Um, so we have hikers that will come out and wonder, you know, what's what's that – what's what are those floating uh, cages that, mm-hmm. are, that are out there? Um, but we don't have, uh, you know, multi-million dollar houses along the shore uh, that – People are waking up, drinking their coffee, and looking at us oyster farming. We don't right. have that, so that's that. We're lucky. Uh, just that just sort of, sort of happened by by random luck. Sure. Um, I mean, I I I picked the the location partly for that reason, I guess. But um, but that's also like why I picked that location. That's. <laughs> Tactical difficulties. Chud has intruded on the podcast studio. <laughs> Let's see how many times that happens. <laughs> Chubbs, uh, I hope that doesn't. Chubbs happen. is now his name. Cubs, Chubbs, Chud. He has a uh, probably half a dozen names. Yeah, the, the one syllable that starts with C <laughs> and sort of has a uh sound <laughs> is all is all that's his name. So you pick this oyster farm, but I think mm-hmm. we're kind of missing this this lead up, where man, he just goes where he wants. huh? Yeah, he sure does. Yeah, yep. What what are you missing in the in the lead up? Well, you know we. You're out and you're working for Hog Island, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think you bring up this really interesting concept, which not a lot of people touch on, or maybe maybe they do, but it's the idea of going around and doing a lot of different things to then understand what you actually want to do, right? And when you're at that age of like being 20, 25, mid-20s, mm-hmm. you know, somewhat like where Tyler and I are at, mm-hmm. it's, I think, super important to go and try things yeah. and do those odd jobs and kind of meander around yeah. and not get so locked into one thing yeah. before all of a sudden you look back and you're like, wow, man, life kind of sucks right now. For sure. You know? For sure. So what do you think, like when, when someone asks, how did you figure out becoming an oyster farmer? Yeah. Well, there's this whole, there's this whole, you know, well, I was a carpenter for a bit and yeah. then I tried doing this. And then all of a sudden you look back 
and you're able to take the new boat that you just bought and well new to you and 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 refurbish it and clean it up and and do all these things because you had that base knowledge that foundation yeah um so yeah what what happened was uh i i was doing carpentry i was trying mechanics i was i I was working with a um an older gentleman who is still one of my good friends out in california um working on old motorcycles um i had a real genuine interest in tinkering, mm-hmm. um, in, in motorcycle mechanics or, or car mechanics. Um, and I was trying out carpentry. Um, and I think that I've, if I had pursued any of those trades, um, I could have learned them and, and done fine in them. Um, but I think, uh, I think what happened was, well, the motorcycle mechanic, he sort of told me, you know, you don't really have a knack for this. Um, <laughs> you, you, this isn't this isn't what you have a knack for. You can learn it. You could go to school. You could, you know, you could apprentice and stuff. And you could learn it, but um, you don't. You don't particularly. I I I find that like I know I know a little bit about a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and I I kind of uh, I I like that about myself. But um, if you're a mechanic, you got to know very specific about about mechanics sure um but i think i think what happened was i went to hog island and i took the job um because the hog island oyster farm out there in san francisco i took the job because first of all it, it um just being outside i really love being outside um i had sort of narrowed that down with the carpentry um I, I knew I didn't want to take carpentry jobs that, that were inside. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I'm not trying to say I was a carpenter. I, w- I came nowhere close to being a carpenter, but I, I was a laborer right. um, with other carpenters. Um, but I knew that I liked the jobs that were outside. Um, so I narrowed that down. And then I also knew, and I always knew this, that um, that I was a lover of the water and mm. um, like a real, real, real lover of the water. And I never... I never thought about it um, as being an option for um, working on the water. Right. I, I just like what a dream! Like mm-hmm. what that that's too that's too that's too crazy to even consider that. But but yet um, yet I, I I just lucked out. I I lucked out because I figured out that okay I like to work outside. I love to be on the water. Um, there's something about. There's something about being so comfortable on the water. I spent so much time on the water as a kid. I was like from a young age, I was in I was in the pool. Like I was always underwater. Mm-hmm. I was always like swimming and I was always like I just loved being underwater. I would hold my breath and sit underwater for minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't know, it's just a, and, and other people in my family are not comfortable in, mm. in the water. They want to be far away from the ocean. They want to be cuz they're scared of it. And I'm I've got a natural fear of the water too, but um but I've always been so comfortable uh, around water and being in it. Right. Um, so I think that that sort of just steered me in that direction. I guess I, I just naturally sort of um, uh, went went that direction. So I got the job at Hog Island, and I found uh, and and I did a lot of things. I I delivered the oysters, and I was a delivery guy. Mm-hmm. I was um, an oyster shucker at the restaurant, and I also I bounced around. Um, through uh, farm jobs too, um, so I would work on the farm, you know, a couple days, and uh, I would do the other jobs mm-hmm. as well. And they were so so friendly to that; they were so friendly in letting me letting me do that. Right. Um, so I owe a lot to to their flexibility with me. Um, 
and uh, so I was really lucky in that way. I, I I got to learn I got to learn this industry or this business from a company that like really really cares about the industry mm. and the business. Um, they really really do. So that's I think that's um, that was just luck. That was just dumb luck. I could have worked for another oyster farm or an aquaculture or, or uh, working on the water in another capacity where I wouldn't I wouldn't have learned from such. Uh, passionate people right um they they are just so passionate about uh keeping the ocean clean and um and producing sustainable seafood yep yep. and uh and doing it in a um in a in a pot yeah just they're just they're they're passionate passionate marine biologists so yeah um they really want to do good things in the world yeah Um, well that's kind of the telltale when it comes to i think creating company, having a brand, whatever that is, right, mm-hmm. is being able to pass that knowledge and that passion down to someone yeah. versus just a product, right? Because in in a way, they kind of created and helped forge Graham, right? And then yeah. Graham can now go out and make his, his impact here in Narragansett Bay with West Passage Oysters. And then who knows, maybe some guy that you guys, that you have on the farm all of a sudden down the road, goes and has an oyster farm in Texas or, yeah. or whatever, right? It's like that that generational type mentality I think is so strong on the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of that in other industries. It seems like working on the water is almost like this lineage that gets passed down, right? Like my grandfather was a commercial fisherman out of Gloucester. Mm-hmm. My dad fished with him when he was growing up. I'm a captain. You're you're working on an oyster farm. Like there's this, there's this innate kind of hey, let's, let's keep this going, right? Yeah. And in a lot of ways, it's romanticized, but it's hard work. And at the same time, you're outside and you're having fun. Yeah, sort of legacy. It's, it's, yeah. It's, 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 uh, yeah, that, that sort of happens with generations, the legacy of working on the water. Right. Um, and I'd like, to, I'd like to see that happen with me and my kids. And, um, and I, you know, I see that happen with, with Hog Island and, mm-hmm. and they're – uh, you know, it's getting it's getting passed down to their newer generations too. Right. Um, and that um, that's something that uh, yeah, I guess that's just natural. I mean, I, I want to share this with as many people as I can because it's such. If you love working on the water, it's such a it's such a great thing, and it's an expanding industry too. I mean, mm-hmm. like you were just pointing out, somebody might. Um, go down and, and, and start an oyster farm in Texas. The, the oyster farms are popping up everywhere. And so um, that's because uh, pe- people are, e- you know, getting more um, adventurous in eating and they're, right. people are caring more about where their, uh, where their food comes from. Um, it's not – so I worked for Hog Island and then I started the farm in 2017. Mm-hmm. There's a couple people actually that, that, have, that are doing the similar thing. Um, North Sea oysters down in North Carolina. Okay. I think they're called yeah North Sea oysters. Um, they sort of did a, th- a similar thing. They, um, the guy worked for Hog Island for and then went down North Carolina. Yeah, and did a that. period of time. Yeah, and, and went back to I think his home state of I don't know where he's originally from, but e- either way, he sort of took his knowledge and brought it um, elsewhere. Right. And you know you could so yeah it's a it's a it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, and it's a good industry to get into. And I, I can be really proud of the product that we're producing. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to start my own business, um, 
and I always had that in mind going through the going through the years. You know, starting mm-hmm. with the corporate job and saving my money, um, trying trying to save my money as a, you know as a laborer, and it's it's hard to save money. Uh, you know, when you've got those kinds of jobs, but um, I always had. I always had in the back of my mind that I was saving for something. Mm. Um, why? Why is that? Why do you think that you were motivated to, rather than you know go? Oh, I want to make a my four hundred one k really big, or I want to do this. It was, you know what? I want to save for a business, or I want to I want to try and do something down the road. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know. But it's going to be something. I think some people, some people um, are motivated to s- sort of do something that's outside of the box i guess i mm-hmm. i look i can only speak for myself i just i i wanted to not um i didn't want to work for somebody and do something for them um that i didn't think was worthwhile <laughs> um so i i i i didn't have any what do you call it skin in the game i i like when i was working for startups in new york city i don't know if they're still around maybe they are um I just didn't have anything invested. I didn't care. I really didn't. I, yeah. I really didn't care. And some people do. Some people do care about the company that they work for. Right. I just happened to. Di- I didn't care um, <laughs> about what they were doing. Yeah. Hog Island. I did care about what they were doing, but I. I guess I. I. I still. And they were a great employer. They were a great place to work. Um, great community. But I still. I still had this feeling like I wanted to do my own thing and I'm telling you when I wake up in the morning I'm I'm working mm-hmm. and when I go to sleep like right before I go to sleep I'm doing something that and I'm working right, right now technically I'm working <laughs> I, I you know what I mean but it's hard to tell right it, and that and that um it's hard to tell when I'm working it's hard to tell when I'm not working I'm working on the boat today right before you came over um s- sort of tinkering tinkering around with the boat mm-hmm. getting it ready for this season um, I'm, I'm talking to you, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to shuck oysters. <laughs> uh, we're going to eat oysters and, and I guess it sounds to, like you're, it's just absolutely yeah. horrible work environment. Well, so, so that, yeah, that's, that's all I'm getting at is like, it sounds so cliche cause everyone, everyone, um, says it, but that's that, that, uh, old adage, do, do what you love and you won't work a day in your life. That's, yep. I hate to, I hate to be so cliche, but um, that is, that's accurate. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I get to, I get to buy a boat and that's, that's a business expense. Right. You know, I, I, I get to. It's a write-off. It's a write-off. The government pays How? for it. How? How is that a write-off? <laughs> I mean, I'm not lying. I, I, I use that on the oyster farm. You know, we're going to be using that 90% of the time for the, for the oyster farm. But I, I don't know. It's like, how could, how, how could I get paid? I'm not getting paid, you know, like in essence, I'm doing the things that I really would want to be doing anyway. I get to put on a wetsuit and jump in the water and mm-hmm. um, and uh, and and go underwater and look at stuff underwater. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm technically working. I get to go scuba diving and and I'm technically working. I'll be fishing every once in a while. That that I can't. If the IRS were to ask me, that doesn't count. <laughs> I, I'll be fishing is on my own time. Gotcha. I gotcha. So like so like fishing rods. Though I wish that those. I love fishing. That I can't really write that kind of stuff off. Yeah, all right. All right. I can see that. So <laughs> as you kind of grew this oyster farm, and that's kind of how we met, was you were just starting off. You, The guys over at Pleasant Street were like, hey, you should go 
you know, meet up, right? And yeah. we kind of like exchange info because at the time I was trying to get my permit, went a different route, but just was like, hey, we should keep always stay in touch. So yeah. it's been like how many years now? Four or five? Something like that. Yeah, that was probably 2018, 2017 or 2018. Yeah. Actually, it might have been a little, I think it was 2017. Probably, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, four or five, yeah, almost five years ago. Yep. Jesus. Yeah. Time flies. Yes. And you didn't even have, you had the small, you just had your, um, the small boat. At that point, I didn't even have a boat. You didn't even have, you didn't even have a farm. I didn't have a farm and I didn't have a (laughs) boat. I didn't have any, any of the things. So, as you kind of, you landed in Rhode Island Mm -hmm. and you were going through the, the paces of, I don't have a boat, I don't have a farm. I just met this guy named Zach, who probably seems like an idiot, but we might <laughs> we might keep him around. No, you seemed like you seemed like a really you seem smarter than me. That's definitely not true, but <laughs> well, I don't know if it's true, but we, we've 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 both got our um our you know the things that we're good at. I wouldn't sure. I wouldn't be good at any any of the stuff that you can do. But that's why we're here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as you made those steps to get an oyster farm, were there any times? in that process, because obviously now you love what you do. It's easy to see that passion. Mm-hmm. Where you're thinking to yourself, man, what did I get myself into? <laughs> Were there any points? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the uh, again, it's like, it's an obvious answer, but the, the pandemic was, was that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, that was the worst. That was not a good time. That was a terrible time. And now that we've kind of come out of the pandemic, yeah, the feeling of being back in the saddle, like growing this, you know, farm. Because compared to when you started, you only had three acres, right? Yeah. And now we're now we're up to six. Now we're up to six. Mm-hmm. How many cages? Uh, three fifty, I think. Three three hundred fifty cages out there. And that means. What in terms of production? How many oysters are out there? There's probably like, uh, I think there's two million, about two million. But um, last year we sold about half a million, and I think this year, I'm really hoping to get closer to a million. But it's farming, so it's like Mother Nature dictates sort of what happens a little right, bit. Right, right. Um, but I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping production wise to increase every year. And then what does that look like? Like when you say increased production, does it mean I'm throwing more cages out there? Because, you know, like you said, Mother Nature has this kind of way of, you know, kind of dealing the cards to mm-hmm. some extent. They're kind of playing against the house. Yeah. What are, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is it that you're doing to to keep the farm growing? Um, we're, yeah, every year, the, I mean, the gear costs a lot of money. So every, you know, I started out with, 50 cages I think the first year mm-hmm. and then put out another 50 and sort of grows in increments of 50 cages at a time it feels like yeah um so yeah you can only grow so many oysters in 50 cages you right. know um each each cage you could put in about a thousand oysters mm-hmm. um so every cage you put out you you know you know you can grow more and more and more um but the uh so anyway if you do the math like there, there's a bunch of oysters out there that are baby oysters that they don't take up as much space. So we can cram a lot more than a thousand oysters mm-hmm. in each bag. E- either way, um, that's that's what we're doing. We're we're investing in more cages every year, and um, and that's helping us grow grow bigger. Um, we're we're probably not gonna ever be a hog island. Um, it's not really. That's probably not what we're aiming to do. Mm. Um, 
there's on the East Coast versus the West Coast. It's like the East Coast. There are a lot of little oyster farms. Sure. Um, there's a bunch in Rhode Island. There's like twenty. Yeah, it's um, been wild. Like since you when you first started. Yeah. I feel like you were one of I don't know maybe half a dozen. You know. <laughs> probably more. It was probably like. I don't know. There, there was probably 15 or so. Yeah. And I, I think it's probably grown a bunch. It's definitely, it's more farms have popped up in Rhode Island in the mm-hmm. past five years, not just me. Um, and, yeah. What was, yeah. <laughs> Where was I No, going? No, I think it's it's continuing the evolution, yeah, right? It's con- so. But it's always going to be a small, my point was is it's all going to, it's all, it's always going to be sort of a smaller Smaller little oyster farm, you know. Sure. I mean, it might evolve into something else, um, in you know, it, and go in different directions. But yeah, it's uh, on the west coast. There's there's a few sort of like uh, like big big productions. Yeah. Um, Hog Island is a big production. Um, they they weren't always. They started in the 80s, but they've turned out three or four restaurants. Yeah, um, I remember going to one. Yeah. On, um, what's the Pier 39? Pier here or something um, in San Fran downtown. It's yeah, it's it's on the Embarcadero in San Francisco. Yeah, I forget which pier that is. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, they've got several, and yeah. uh, and there's a, there's a few oyster farms out there. Um, they they've done really well um, with that. They they've done uh, and so the, yeah, they've vertically integrated. They've got they've got oyster oyster farm mm-hmm. plus their restaurants plus they just started a hatchery up in very northern California where they grow um they they grow the oysters from larva and, mm. and and get them to the stage that we buy them as farmers um we we get them you know when they're a few millimeters so they're trying to they're trying to really develop the full cycle here yeah yeah which is awesome yeah. you know that's really cool so you bought this new boat mm-hmm. that's part of the evolution yeah cuz before we had what was it the i always forget the name the guy builds them in Coventry Oh, the Midland. The Midland. Yeah, right? the Midland. I have, I have a Midland. Yeah. You still have the Midland, but you purchased this what a couple weeks ago? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. So tell us more about this boat. Um, this is a 24 foot privateer, and I'm really happy with it so far. Now, since it's a privateer, do you automatically are you considered a privateer now? Like, will you be <laughs> pillaging a- other boats? What is a for, privateer? Is that is that does like that mean a, like a, a pirate? It's a pirate, but like sanctioned by the government. Oh, cool! So you're like a mercenary it, pirate. Oh, you know what? It's made by privateer. The name of the model is Renegade, actually. Privateer <laughs> Renegade, even cooler. Even cooler. It makes yeah. perfect sense too. Privateer Renegade. Uh, th- these boats are made down in um, North. I th- I believe it's North Carolina. Okay. Somewhere in that region. That would make sense. Yeah. Um. I I've I've been looking for a second boat for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this one fits the bill. I don't know if it's a, you know, if it's going to be long-term or not, but I said the same thing with the Midland too. When I first bought that boat, it was just a haul and needed a lot of work. And right. I was like, Oh, stepping stone boat, you know, and, yep. and we'll, we'll evolve into a, a different boat. But that boat now we've built it to what it is. You got a house on it. It looks great. Yeah. It's uh, got a kitchen, yeah. two bedrooms. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, it's evolved into the perfect. That other boat has evolved into the perfect farm boat. So now that's that boat is perfect for being a farm boat. 
Um, but we do a lot of uh, oyster tours. We bring people out mm-hmm. and, and we show them the farm um, and we shuck oysters. We eat oysters out on the farm. Um, and people love like learning about aquaculture and mm-hmm. how the whole process works. Um, and actually seeing it up close really helps because right. just talking about it, it's, it's kind of hard to, to see it. Um, but anyway, so we, d- we do a lot of farm tours and w- we were looking for a bigger bigger boat for that and also um and also just having the ability to have a second i mean have another boat is always going to be a good thing yeah it really is i mean when maintenance needs to get done on that boat this boat can can be you know fit in um if we need it to now when you say fit the bill what were you looking for like what i guess the question would be what makes a good oyster farm boat a lot of people do a, a a lot of so all oyster farms look different. Um, the, the oyster farm that we have, like I said, is a floating farm. It's mm-hmm. got lines, long lines that you um, that you uh, don't want to get wrapped up in. So, so an ideal farm boat for us is uh, it has an outboard, mm-hmm. a, a motor that you can lift up just in case you get caught up, your p- propeller gets caught up in the lines. You, I mean, people uh, use inboards too, but I didn't want to – I love inboards. I think they're super cool, but um, – I, I really wanted the ability to lift the motor mm-hmm. um, because if you have an inboard and you get wrapped up in a, in you're a, diving on that thing. Yeah, yeah, and and it can be done, but in February it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I I wanted, I wanted something, I wanted an outboard. I wanted it to be 24, 25 feet, uh, something that we can trailer ourselves and not have to rely on somebody else to pick us up out of the water. Yep. Because um, once you get past 25, 26 feet, you can't really trailer right. a, a boat that size. So we wanted a boat that size. I wanted a cabin on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it can get in the way uh, for farming, the, the cabin. Um, in some ways, it can get in the way. In other ways, it comes it comes in handy. So right. I wanted a second boat that wasn't going to be a duplicate of the one we already had. Mm-hmm. I wanted a second boat that could do the stuff that the first boat can't do. Right. So I wanted the cabin for giving tours. People are more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, it also gives us the ability to bring more stuff out, um, stuff that we need to keep dry. So sure. it, it has it has a um, a uh, well V berth up yeah, yeah up forward up yeah forward. it's a it's a great boat. I mean, you got a ton of deck space, a little pilot house there with an open, you know, aft cabin. Like it's it's an awesome boat. Yeah. Yeah. Good shine to it too. So I'm sure it runs pretty well in the water. I also wanted something that was already already sort of beat up a little bit. I I, <laughs> I didn't I felt bad getting a you know, a nice boat yeah. that, that somebody had taken really good care of and we were just going to, you know, beat, beat the it living up. crap out of it. Yeah, I I don't know. I just felt like I just so this this one fits the bill. Well, and it, you can make it your own too. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. Exactly. We're, any boat you get for oyster farming, you, you you gotta always consider like you're gonna have to make it what you need, you know. Right. And that goes with fishing too. This is set up. This was as of a few weeks ago was set up for tuna fishing, which blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and we had to raise the roof. Um, I had to take a whole bunch of stuff off of there. Um, yep. This thing was set up for for tuna fishing. I'm excited. It'll be good to get out on it and you know try it out and see what the see how it performs on the farm. But I think what you mentioned there was you know your your addition to the tours, which I know you've done in the past. Mm-hmm. And what it boils, man, Chud is just <laughs> he's doing his thing. 
<laughs> he does not have a care in the world, he, that dog. He, you know, he's so happy. Yeah, he, he's just a happy dog. He he just wants to, you know, be a part of the mix. Hey, I love how him. I love how he sticks his his feet out in the back. <laughs> it's like a frog. They, it's frogging. Frog legs. Yeah. yeah. They call. Yeah. I looked it up the other night. They call it in dog in dog world. They call it the sploot. The sploot. Yeah. He's splooting when when, yep. when a dog puts their their, the, their legs out yep. back. I get that. Oh, I can see that. That's the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Chud, cub, <laughs> sploot. Yeah, uh. all those. <laughs> you but kind of going. You know, you, you, it seems like there's this theme in your whole oyster farm journey, life, all that wrapped up into one package of mm-hmm. getting some information passed down to you, and then continuing passing that down, right? And and with the addition of the farm tours and, like, us always going around and communicating, taking me on the farm. And you've always been someone that's super open to sharing what you've done, mm. right? And especially when it comes to oyster farms. And mm. I think in some ways other industries are a little bit more, you know, their their lips are kind of sealed, yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas with what you're doing, and I think in a lot of ways, most of the marine industry um, – they're a little bit more open. Like if if you're willing to put in the time yeah. and you're willing to to learn and take some criticism here and there, yeah. Like people are gonna open their arms to you. Yeah. You know? And I think doing the farms, the farm tours, is just that that step to really open someone's eyes to what aquaculture is. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, that's a, that's an important piece for me, and it's an important piece. Um, well, in in my experience, um, you know. I didn't. I I went in t- when I was in the corp the corporate life is like, like, what I say to you, don't say to that other person because right. you know it's not going to be good if you say. It. And it was all these secrets and um not. And I'm look. I'm not saying that like all corporate life is like that, but in my experience, I worked at places that like you weren't. I there was things that you could say and you can't say, and um and you got to be you got to make sure what you say is, you know, sounds good or something in front of the right people and trying to impress certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't good at that. I can't be anybody than what, I, you know, who I am. <laughs> I, 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 and I don't want to be, um, right. I never, I, I never wanted to be. So like, I didn't, I didn't, um, do well <laughs> in corporate life, um, <laughs> because of that. But, uh, what, but when I started researching the oyster farm um so after my experience at hog island i came back and i started reaching out to east coast oyster farmers that Mm -hmm. i just researched in new york i'm from new york so i was researching long island oyster farms Mm -hmm. shout out to lucky 13 oyster farm (laughs) um he's uh matt uh i forget his last name but um matt is the owner and he he makes amazing he, he grows amazing oysters out there and he was one of the first people that's um that was really he, I, I emailed him and I called him a couple times and I just said like I'm I'm interested in oyster farming I'm coming from the west coast and I have experience oyster farming on the west coast um but I I just want to pick your brain and I I'm, I'm looking to start my own oyster farm mm. and like under certain circumstances y- you know somebody could could easily just be like I don't have time for that um you know I, I don't want them competing with me, but he was really helpful. I sh- I showed up to um, and I met him at a diner in Long Island, and he just sat down um, and told me what he what he had learned over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had only been in it for four four years or so um, at 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 his stage. Now he's right. been in it for close to a decade. But um, and, 
so so he brought me out to his farm after that and showed showed me how he has it all set up. Said this is what you want don't want to do. This is what you do want to do. Mm -hmm. If you do this, you're going to be in trouble. If you do this, you're going to save yourself a lot of headache. And that experience with him um, was my experience with every every oyster farmer that I talked to. I mean, I really can't say a bad thing about any oyster um, any oyster farmer. I mean. Um, and then I worked for I worked for Dutch. Shout out to Dutch Island Oyster mm -hmm. Farm. Um, he he took me under his wing essentially. Um, he's he's uh, just south of the Jamestown Bridge. He yep. taught me so much, um, and we still like we still bounce ideas around off sure. of each other. Um, Perry down at Matunic, he taught me uh, a, a lot um, a, a, about uh, about oyster farming. Um, yeah, I mean my my. For me, what I need to do is I, I need to, like, do a lot of research before I can, mm. like, commit to an idea. And I've always I've always been that way. And so I did. I did my research for four years on the West Coast. And I did my research <laughs> yeah. for, like, a year or, or a year and change with Dutch sure. Island and Matunic. And then at that point, I, you know, when I was here in Rhode Island, when I met you, I had a year and a half or so to wait for my application to actually get approved anyway. Right. So I was just working for oyster farms in in, um, in Rhode Island. Yep. So I, like, really narrowed down what is it like to work in Rhode Island uh, in February mm -hmm. on, on the water. It's a lot different than it is in San Francisco. Right. And I wanted to, I wanted, you know, um, so I, I utilized that, that time that it took to. Um, to gain experience and, like, yeah. build that out. And, yeah. You know. You're, it's it's a it's a lot of process, right? Yeah. And and figuring out what works and what doesn't, and you know, it's not going to take two days to get there, right? It's it's going to take two years, yeah. or or two decades to right. get there. So if you're someone that is been doing what you're doing, and you, you find someone that's like just getting started, and what's the first thing you say to them? Um. Uh, if they want, if they, if they're asking, I mean, it depends on what they ask me. I, I would say if like, Hey Graham, I want to get into oyster farming. I would is, say it's a great it, idea. It's a great idea. And the process is going to be X, Y, Z. Uh, the process is going to start with, look, if you want to get into anything, if you want to open a bookstore, if you want to start an oyster farm, I think you got to work for a bookstore or work for an oyster farm. Mm -hmm. I, Otherwise, how are you going to know what it's like to do it? Right. Um, and so that's that's what I say to people. I say that to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like you got to, in order to do that, you got to go out and provide value to someone Yeah. that's in the industry. Like, yeah. not always be that taker. Like, you've given so much to Hog Island and Dutch and all these other guys that have been out there mm -hmm. that it was like, yeah, of course we're going to help you out, Graham. Like, you've been helping us out the whole way. Yeah, I mean... A yeah, those are just like things that I live by, though. The, like, just be a nice, good, s try and be a helpful person to people. Yeah. Try not to piss anybody off. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't make enemies. Um, I I I try and uh, just be a nice person, and because like there's nothing better than having friends, you know. Right. There's nothing better. <laughs> I, I mean, all of all of these oyster farmers that we're we're out on the water and we help each other. Mm -hmm. Um. And and like we bounce, like I said, we're bouncing ideas off each other. 
Um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say be a nice person to somebody because that's not specific to oysters, uh, but it helps, you know. <laughs> um, it helps. But, but anyway, I, I don't know. I, I guess if somebody were to ask me, like, what should I do, I would say you gotta you got to narrow down. Um, first of all, I'd say put in your application uh, and I, put in your application to get a lease. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I would say where do you want to where do you want to do the oyster farm? Mm-hmm. Because it could be in New York or Virginia or Texas or California or or up here in Rhode Island or Maine or Canada. It could mm-hmm. be anywhere. Uh, you got to know where you want to farm the oysters because you could farm oysters pretty much anywhere. Right. It's got to be clean, clean water. Um, you know, you you don't want to farm oysters in New York <laughs> Harbor, um, but so it's got to be it's got to be clean. Anyway, so you, you, I would say there's three things. You got to the location of the farm and uh, is important. The boat is important, and the type of gear that you're using to farm the oysters is important. But all those three things have to marry with each other. Mm. So like. You ask like, what's the best farm boat for oyster farming? This is this this is only specifically, uh, this is our oyster farm boat. Right, floating cages. Yeah, that's the tool you want to use. But it wouldn't be a good uh, farm boat for every oyster farm Mm -hmm. because every oyster farm really is different. Some oyster farms aren't floating oyster farms. Right. Some of them are on the bottom of the on the bottom of the ocean, Mm -hmm. and so, um, so those three things. you gotta you gotta know um, those three important things if if you're actually serious about doing an uh, doing an oyster farm. But even before that, that 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 would only be something I would say to somebody that was like sure they wanted to start an oyster farm. Mm-hmm. Um, those those three things are really important. But before that, I I would say like um, work for a few different oyster farms so you know what it looks like and figure out if you like working on the water because yeah. not everyone does. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, Graham, you know, it's been great being able to touch base, of, as always, get out on the farm, hang out, shuck a few oysters. So if someone wants to get in touch with you to learn about oyster farming uh-huh. and or wants to go on the farm tour or mm-hmm. check you out, where, where can they go? They could go um, to westpassageoysters.com, and that's our website. And we're on Instagram at westpassageoysterco. All right. Yeah. That's it. That's, That's it. the thing. Cool. All right, Graham. Well, hey, thanks for coming on again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I feel so lucky to, <laughs> to be here. <laughs> right on. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Along the Keel. This is the second episode that I've done with Graham and the first ever repeat on Along the Keel. Graham was on episode number two. Uh, about two years ago now uh, and it was a great episode to start with but always the in-person episodes that you can now watch on youtube are going to be better because face-to-face is always the best way to communicate with someone so be sure to check it out on youtube also got two great how-to videos one on how to shuck an oyster and the other one on how to pick your oyster they're a minute long check them out they're called cut and dry And it's just the nitty gritty of what you got to know and how to do it in under a minute. Would highly recommend it. And if you're in Rhode Island or passing by Connecticut or anywhere close by, I would highly, highly recommend giving Graham a ring and going out on one of his tours on the oyster farm. Graham is a fantastic person through and through, and I would highly recommend it. 
And if you're in Rhode Island, I'll even take you out there and show you the farm if Graham's not around. So give me a ring. You can also email me, Zach, at Along the Keel. And be sure to check out Graham on social media. Give him a like, share, and follow. And I hope you guys have an awesome day. But before I go, make sure to work hard, do good, be incredible, and have an awesome day.